thank you everyone for coming to another wonderful episode of the Queer to Queer cast. I'm here with a very special guest. Uh, we'll let the lovely Rebecca introduce herself here in just a moment, but please, before you do that, go to our website, queertoqueerfest.com, and click on the link to watch all of the films. This episode will release um, on the weekend. This will, you, you know when it released because you're listening to it, but it just came out the morning of the final weekend of the film festival so if you haven't watched the films yet and voted for audience favorite make sure that you're doing that now and without further ado welcome to the show Rebecca tell us who you are thank you so much it's great to be here um so my name is Rebecca Louisa Smith and I'm the CEO and founder of a company called the film festival doctor and what we do is we help our clients get their films seen in festivals around the world and win awards so we create the right kind of strategy for filmmakers. And can you give us a little insight into what a strategy might look like? I know that, you know, in order to get the the real juicy parts of this, they have to be a client. But um, what in general is a trend that you've noticed that you've been able to let a majority of your filmmakers know this is something you might want to try? So this is a message to all the filmmakers out there yes so every a filmmaker needs a festival strategy for their film because it's important that you submit to the right kinds of festival for your film so some people might say like oh i want to submit to sundance and tribeca etc um but the question is have you got a film that they'd be interested in so if so it can be part of the strategy and it, if it's a good chance of getting selected and it's what they want could fit what they're looking for if it isn't, then it doesn't need to be on there because otherwise you would waste submission fee money, which should be what, $50, $45 or more than that. So a festival strategy is a very streamlined and focused targeted plan of action. And the way that we create them is we watch the film first and then look at it from the point of view of film festival programmers, and how they program, what would be the strengths of it and the obstacles to face. And that then leads in to creating the best approach to take on the festival circuit. And what made you devote your filmic uh, talents to film festivals specifically? So, you know, in the grand scheme of things that you could have done in film, you chose film festivals. I'm very curious as to why that is. Yeah, so it kind of all came by accident becoming a film festival consultant, actually. So I was studying for my PhD in Wales, Aberystwyth. This is back in like 2008, 2006 kind of time. And I wasn't enjoying it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't like horrific, but it, it doesn't feel like I was, it was my passion, academia or what I was supposed to do. But I thought, well, I'm doing this. So I'll see what happens on the journey. Mm -hmm. And then I got asked to co-produce a film festival, which, which took place in Aberystwyth called the Abattoir Horror Festival. And that was a new festival. And um, the, the, the guy that ran it, Gaz, said to me, oh, do you want to help out? Because, you know, we don't know yeah, what we're doing. This is all new. But we got asked to put this festival on from the Film Council of Wales. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I realized when I was producing the festival that I really enjoyed the film festival world, like programming, getting the submissions in, looking after the filmmakers, putting the program together, putting the whole festival on. You know, it's very different to producing a film but it's really like really fun. I just like, I feel like I come alive in my element. And it was at that point when I asked filmmakers what they liked about festivals and what they didn't like about festivals. They all said to me, oh, we love them, but the problem we have is that we don't know who to turn to to help us get our films into festivals. There seems to be nobody that really does this. And there was like one company at the time that had an active presence on the internet because this was back in the day before Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, sure. all this kind of thing. So you kind of relied on Google to find things. I mean, they, they were in the background, those platforms, but they weren't used businesses as heavily as they are now, but that way, you know, Tim and say they've grown. And we found one company um, and he like launched this whole thing, but it was a very, you know, smaller kind of service. It wasn't like a full-time thing. And I was like, well, I want to do this full-time and I want to help, you know, manage projects and strategize and make it a full-time thing. And he was like, well, I think there's a market for it. And then word spread and then it grew. I mean, it took a while to grow. It wasn't overnight because I had to prove to people that this model works and that, you know, there is validity in this, but it took, you know, blood, sweat and tears in the beginning, but I'm really proud of everything we've achieved and still achieved so far. And that's why I dedicate my life to it. And I left academia and then, well, I, just, I got the PhD. So I had the PhD, which I'm proud of, but I didn't then pursue anything further 
I just purely built my business. Well, I mean, if you ever wish to return to it, I'm sure you would be welcomed back because you yeah. have all of the um, the intellect required for um, for academia. That's for sure. You you always you're always so engaging when I talk to you, and I'm sure that you apply that to your current work too. Because a lot of this is about communication. I would imagine you know is just making sure that you can you know, receive the needs of the filmmaker and then also interpret the needs of the film festival and kind of be that that wonderful medium. So you have to have powerful a powerful mind, I think, for that connection. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's so fascinating because I think a lot of people nowadays are mystified by film festivals. I don't know that a lot of people know what to make of them. There seems to be some amount of discourse um, as I, you know, help run a film festival myself, as, as you know, mm -hmm. and as our listeners know, it it's challenging to pitch a film festival because I don't know that people understand why it's so drastically different than going to the movies and seeing a feature length film, independent or otherwise. And it's, I guess I was wondering, what would you say to somebody who is on the fence about the need for film festivals or what is the benefit of of as an audience member investing in a film festival as opposed to say or not as opposed to but in addition to supporting films that are produced as feature lengths and premiering in uh, theaters around the world so one thing festivals are is discovery discovering new talent that you wouldn't see in the main multiplex alongside you know Top Gun and Lord of the Rings and Avengers, etc. So it's discovering new talent that you could actually connect with in person. So obviously festivals, obviously it's got people there. You know, when festivals um, went online, it was still doable to have an experience there. You know, it wasn't the end of the world, but it's a lot more of a natural organic experience when you're in person, obvious reasons. Right. Um, so discovering new talent, discovering new connections, discovering new business connections, because you could end up working together, discovering like a fan base, and now that we have the gift of Instagram, we want to ask what's your Instagram and we can see people's work and follow and build up relationships. So they're kind of like really good stepping stones and starting points to building up, you know, a whole new kind of extra opportunity for yourself and your career. You can't obviously do that when you're going to see Top Gun because that's purely just going to watch Top Gun and have fun. This is like really with festivals, you know, when you go there to festivals and when you, um, you know, and you're like, and delegate, like when you're at, I mean, something that's happening now online and in person, they're online, it's phenomenal, and they're in person, it's phenomenal. Um, that's a really good example of like having a business head on because you're there for kind of fun, but also there's a business side of things, there's connections, there's work, you know. They are very intense, fest festivals are very intense. Um, I was due to go to one tomorrow, but I had a few health issues, so I can't go there. Um, it's just not right to travel right now for me. And that's a great festival called the Chandler Film Festival. And I mean, that has a lovely structure each day in the day, do your thing. And then four o'clock onwards, you've got films, you've got shorts, you've got features to choose from, all independently made, nothing from a massive studio. And then in the evening, you have around nine or 10, the soiree, you know, networking till 12 or one or whatever, whenever they close. And it's like a lovely routine to have in the day um, because, you know, it, it's exhausting, but yeah. it's a good exhausting because you're like, oh, I'm getting inspired, you know, got the work brain on, but also having fun whilst, doing it yeah i mean i as a person who's submitted to film festivals too it seems to be the only way unless you're very lucky or you've kind of built your film career in such an established way to be in the right place at the right time it's hard to conceive of any other way for people to see what you can bring to the table so you know i hope that film festivals are around forever because it, it does seem kind of sad to to sit back. And that's one of the reasons Q2Q exists is because um, to admit or to suggest that the only way to see work is to see it through the studio or to see it, you know, uh, in the form of an independent filmmaker who was lucky enough or strategic enough to get their feature shown. And also it's really a place for shorts. I think that's, that's the bizarre thing is, you know, these, these Oscar um, shorts rewards come around and, and that's always the moment where I go, well, I ain't seen fuck all of these. Like, I don't, you know, cause it's honest, unless you're lucky to go to like the Disney Pixar one, you know, and you see the one that plays before the film, 
where the hell other than film festivals are shorts even playing now? I guess besides particular websites or like you said, Instagrams and Facebooks of filmmakers that are trying to get their stuff shown. But I don't know, is, is there, is, is that a really big important thing about um, film festivals, do you think too, preserving the medium of short film? Absolutely, because festivals need shorts and, and filmmakers need festivals, short filmmakers need festivals, absolutely. In fact, um, the only, you're right, kind of like more or less the only place you're going to see a short theatrically will be at a film festival and that's a gift that they offer filmmakers i mean if the film gets us automated it will go on a tour around theaters and that's right. a different the manhattan short film festival uh, they you know tour around theaters because it's it's lots of qualified films that get in there but that's a little bit you know different and it's not like it's like for every short that happens you know you've got vimeo staff picks and vimeo discover and youtube etc and armalito and all these kind of wonderful places and short the week um, just as examples, but yeah. yeah, you're right. Like you know, theatrical screenings of shorts are at festival, and that's where the magic is. Like when you see like a block of shorts, is brilliant, and then if you see a short before a feature, is also great. Um, I mean, there is a with features around the circuit, it's a bit of a different strategy uh, most of the time. But uh, yeah. every film is different, so it all depends on what the filmmaker's goals are. Yeah, it's always interesting whenever um, whenever Q to Q receives me. Adjust the lazy Susan there. <laughs> we're we're uh, we're DIY this morning. Everyone on the Q to Q podcast. No, I um I think what's fascinating about the features that come in is then it becomes about the practical elements of how do we integrate this feature into all of these shorts. That's kind of where the if you are an independent filmmaker looking to get your feature-length film uh, submitted into a festival, I think it's going to be a little more of a challenge because we want to showcase as many of the films as we can. And so if your film is two hours, it's not that it's bad, probably. It's that it has to be really, really, really something to take up that amount of time from these other shorts. So I definitely would say as a person who helps select the films now, I didn't in the beginning, but I do now, I I think it's priority for short films, really. And and that's why I wish there was a a way that we could structure film festivals. And I guess there there are um for like for example, the Dallas International Film Festival, they have blocks of times at different yep. days so you can see the features too but for our tiny uh tiny house q to q it's harder to show some of those pulling so i would like to eventually get q to q to a place where there's a separation where this day is the shorts this day is the features and then down the road maybe there's a happy review of some of the best from each quality um you know the the people that submitted films that were really substantial in the feature link category and in the short film kind of together in this culmination but without that sacrificial element because it's so competitive i didn't i didn't realize how competitive it is once you uh once it's just a different story once you open up the page and you see all of the submissions one right after the other it, it feels a little daunting and um yeah and so yeah i just would encourage I would encourage people who have films to distribute not to be discouraged, especially if even your short film is around 30-ish minutes. It just means that it's harder to find a place for it. Would you find that that's true to your experience? So, yes. And also what you need to think about is, does the film need to be 30 minutes? Because if it, if it needs to be shorter and it's obvious it needs to be shorter, it's not going to get selected because it doesn't justify that length. And that's with any film, you know, that is like maybe like a longer short. So, you know, a short that say 15 minutes, even that might need to be shorter. So it's important to think about like, does it need to be shorter? Does it really justify its running time, for example? Um, does it need to be this length? You know, could it be 27 minutes? Because right. it could make a huge difference. But any short film that is longer, no matter how great it is, it's still going to be challenging because some festivals don't accept films of 30 minutes. You know, they're all different. What's important to remember 
is that every festival is different. So it's not like a case of, oh, they're all going to accept, you know, up to 30 minutes. It's not true. Some can be 10 minutes, you know. So it, mm-hmm. in the half an hour, that is a long running time for a short. You've got to, if it's a drama, you've got to make sure the characters are really well developed. Yeah. And what are some of those common roadblocks that you've seen working with people where they've been discouraged from putting their film into this film festival or that film festival, or just not even submitting it at all, you know, due to just feeling like there is no place for it. What, what, like, in other words, not necessarily what are the roadblocks, but what are some of the um, signaling that you've come across that people have clearly internalized that make them think that their film really doesn't have a place or belongs nowhere? A lot of this can be a cliched story and it doesn't say anything new or different. And the acting isn't very good um, and also sound. So those are the problems that are most common is a story that has been done many times before and doesn't offer anything new or fresh or original um, and just sound that's not been recorded properly. And acting can be a little bit maybe community theater with amateur um, compared to you know, acting that is more professional. They can be like the key things, really. I mean, with a screenplay, I mean, you can tell normally the screenplay is not great, but sometimes you can get away with, you know, dialogue that might not be the best, but is still okay. It all depends upon execution. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have a product, in other words, and that will ease some of the nervousness about submitting it, you think, probably, right? Yes. Like get evaluation on it, get feedback on it from other people that aren't attached to you, like mum and dad and the, and the milk. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. they're going to tell you what you want to hear, uh-huh. and you need so what you need to to be told is what you need to know, which is like a very thorough critique, you know, or just really honest feedback on what works and what doesn't. I mean, every film has a challenge. Even a strong film is going to have something, you know. So it's just important that you get feedback that's objective and not you know, people who know you or the film and have nothing to do with you or the film, like your colleagues and peers, people like me who come on in and see a film when it's done and give an honest assessment about it. I'm all, pardon the intermittent coughs as well. Uh, so we're, we're both battling a little something, I think. Um, but um, but anyway, I I'm really happy to hear all of that because honestly, it can be really it can feel like a losing battle wanting to become a filmmaker nowadays. So even just to have a guiding light like you to sort of be honest, I think that's really important is to hear honesty because through honest critique, that stems growth, you know, telling a filmmaker who has work that's not particularly good, that it's very good it doesn't really serve them in the long run because then they'll continue to be rejected. And it doesn't mean you have to be nasty. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, be like, there's no way you could ever make anything good, but you can always gracefully say, continue trying. Here are the things that you would really need to succeed. And I don't see these things here. Um, so I appreciate that you do that. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people also are just, upset because they think about the other end you know i'm gonna submit to this film festival what does that do for me so i guess i'm curious or maybe in a general sense what success or next steps have you seen for some of your filmmakers that you've gotten submitted um in other words what's the light at the end of the tunnel or what can it be for those who succeed so it's important to when when you first um, start creating a strategy and before you do any submissions is figure out what your goals are what do you want to achieve on the festival circuit with your film is it distribution is it networking is it exposure is it all of those what is the most pro- big priority so good two examples would be you know sometimes films come to me which have been made specifically to go on the route of oscar BAFTA, biffa those kind of um, awards and festivals, which is great. I mean, as long as they are you know, gonna be of interest for those festivals, right. they can work. So it's my very specific goal, but we wanted to go on that route to be seen at those kind of festivals and hopefully get um, somebody to nominated or shortlisted, whatever they wanna do. Some will be like, well, you know, I've made it. I just wanna get it out there and meet people will be nice. I'm not gonna expecting awards. Some have that goal. 
Um, some specifically want awards because they need it just to help, you know, like get the investors happy. And some want distribution. So they want like people, they want to meet people who can help potentially get distributed, whether that be meeting sales agents or distributors directly, that kind of thing. So they're very like, they're very specific. It just depends on what the individual wants. So it's really clear that you know what you want. And in with my client's case, some of the success stories has been that, you know, we've had uh, one of my films one that I consulted with in the, in the script stage um, that went on to be nominated for an Oscar in 2016. Um, I worked with a lot of South African clients and they want to, you know, get nominated for and win what's called SAFTA awards. That's the BAFTAs, but in, and the Oscars, you could say Oscars, but maybe more like BAFTAs yeah. in South Africa, so SAFTA. Um, they've won quite a few of those, which is great. Um, some people want just really to get really good festivals to be taken more seriously sometimes they feel by their peers or they want to show that the film is of a quality but they can get money to make a feature yeah. you know so they're all very specific but it's important as well with those goals that you adapt to the world of film festivals because it's not linear it's not like every festival is the same and the rule book they have to follow when they do they're all the same thing they're all different you know, so, and obviously we love your festival because, um, by the way, people who's listening, do watch Dash, which is online at Q2Q. Q. Um, so Dash is a good example. So Dash is a really good film that we obviously is critical. So your festival, that's an Irish short film from the wonderful uh, Rory Fleckbrine. And uh, he wanted that to do, you know, really good festivals, get his directorial debut scene, um, and you know, be appreciated, win awards, networking. And it's done really well. So now I'm looking at distribution for this coming towards the end of its run. But um, it began its festival run. It launched on the opening night with other shorts at the BFI Flair Film Festival, which is obviously in London. And that's um, the LGBT, um, big LGBT film festival. If those who don't know, BFI Flair is huge over there and around Europe. Um, and then it's done other really great festivals, Aesthetica, um, it won Indie Cork, a BAFTA one, you know, so it's done really well. And it's now got potential offers on the table for distribution. Obviously, distribution is not much money when it comes to shorts, but its aim is not to make money. It's getting it seen by the right people for future opportunities. And that's what it's doing. So that's what I'm really proud that it's on, on Q2Q, it's in the right home for it, because it's obviously a queer film. Um, so it's really exciting. And what does that look like when you say distribution? I know you've been touching on a lot of it, but yeah. I, I just, I would love for that to be clarified, not because you did a bad job, but clarified for people like me who are going, ah, it's just still so hard to see where it could go. Yeah. So film festivals are one form of distribution. I mean, they are alternative distribution, so, you know, because they're live events and, you know, you have your Q&As and awards. Distribution in, say, how we say, layman terms, is where after film festivals, people then get their film um, seen by audiences worldwide on other platforms such as Netflix, um, gotcha. Google um, Play, um, iTunes, Amazon Prime, all these kind of platforms. There are many for feature films. Sometimes they do for shorts, um, but predominantly that's for feature films. And with short films, the other platforms distribution, which are not a film festival, but are where you can see worldwide a short film, is Omelito, Short of the Week, Director's Notes. Um, there are several ones which are really good. You've got Shorts TV, Shorts International. There's not a huge amount of, say, you know, like massive platforms on the same level as Netflix for Shorts, but there are some really good ones where you can, you know, see Shorts. And obviously some TV channels and stations do take Shorts, like, you know, Sky Arts, for example. You know, so there are platforms to do that, but that's achieved from a short film sales agent. There aren't many of those around because obviously the short film market is very small compared right. to the feature film market for obvious reasons. So when you go to a film festival that has a market, you'll find that festivals like Cannes and Berlin, and Sundance, that market is like 95% for feature films and it is for shorts. I mean, there is the short film corner that's not that great anymore at Cannes, but what it used to be. Um, and at Clermont Ferrand, that's like the biggest short film festival in the world. That is a market there for shorts, which is really good to discover. And Palm Springs market. Um, so they're in the business of buying and selling films. And they are obviously watching in film festivals. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine they'd be able to pull from much else. I mean, that's, it's, again, it's such a, it's such a search. That's what I yes. think. It's just, it's, it's like mining for gold, these golden nuggets, like, 
dash. You know, I, one of the things that I remember, because we have a large spreadsheet with Q to Q, uh, not judges, because we have judges that give the awards at the actual end of the festival. And then we have selectors that are a part of bringing the films that were submitted into the space to be watched. All the selectors have their names at the top and then a row of the actual names of the submitted films and they can put yes, no, maybe. And we sort of then um, from there gleam which films we need to discuss. It all culminates in a discussion of which of the films, you know, really hit the um, hit the mark. If there's somebody that, for example, is really advocating for a film that didn't get a lot of yeses, they always have the opportunity to pitch why it really needs to be in the festival as we're curating. But I just remember Dash was one that got yeses um, across the board. It's it's quite good. There, there are several films that did get unanimous yeses, but Dash was one of them. And I was just curious. So what is... Um, what is the filmmakers goals? I know you mentioned that they're looking at distribution right now, but what are some of Dash's goals? I know Dash is the title of the film. Yeah. I don't remember their name. <laughs> oh yeah, Rory. So Rory Fleckline. Thank you. And when he came to me, he uh, I worked with I worked with him directly on a previous film, but he starred in a film which I represented called Inbox that he was really good in. And he's a really nice guy to work with. He's a great guy. I mean, he's very sincere. He's lovely. You know, he's very sweet. And he said, well, I've just actually now completed my first film as a director. And I'm very keen to get it seen, you know, in high-end film festivals. Um, I want to get really good exposure at the right kind of festivals. But also know it's like a film which is maybe a bit love-hate because, you know, people might get it, people might not. Because it's very unique, but it's very different. That I really want to get into really good festivals, really to, you know, keep my uh, name as a director on a higher level. Um, so that's what we did. So, I mean, we've done all sorts of festivals with it, but we've done, you know, some, I should get to some bigger ones as well. Um, distribution was not a massive goal for him. It was more getting it seen in the right environments, really, than right. it was being specific, like I have to win an award. Um, I mean, he said to me, look, if we can qualify to submit to the BAFTAs and the Oscars, um, then great, and Biffers, I'd love to be able to do that. If we don't, well, we don't, but he wasn't like too set on that. Um, and then we, got, we managed to qualify. We, we qualified because it did, yeah, it did like three or four um, Oscar and BAFTA qualifiers and it got in. And the Oscars, we didn't do the Oscars, but we did the BAFTA, the Biffa and the Irish Film Board. Because um, it was sponsored by the Irish Film Board and they uh, sent me up a lot for it. So yeah, it was really, really good. That's amazing. Uh, so it sounds like it's a springboard, right? To doing maybe some features or getting... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to make Dash into a feature because it's really just best for a short form because that's a short short. That's like, what, 10, 12 minutes, I think. You know, it's nothing, not even 15, that's for sure. But it's the right kind of length for what it's trying to do and say because um, it's so unique and original. There's hardly any speaking in it. Um, and it's interesting with how it's shot and the angles and all that kind of thing. Um, so it's unique and it's the different. Filmmakers, like I, when I watch, I mean, there's a lot of that's great about it, but it's a celebration of direct. Sure. Some, you know, some some films, I feel like, I mean, all films should be a celebration of all elements. Those are the best films, right? And and I'm not saying that the other things were lacking in Dash. I'm saying that you sometimes watching you, you walk away with performance or you walk away with writing or you walk away with music that was huge with Dash. I, I think you walk away with the director's power, you know, yeah. the, it's a, it's a, it's a feature of, it's a vehicle for showcasing, like you said, the um, and I just, I just watched a film yesterday that changed my life. I watched EO. It's a film about a donkey and, um, like Dash, the communication of what you feel as an audience member, it doesn't come through with sitting down and listening to people talk and tell you it comes through like the way the camera is positioned, the speed at which it moves what you see and how like the color composition kind of comes through that's all giving you the story and and i yeah. think that there's there's a need for films that are feature length like eo and short films like dash that aren't as talky i love a large conversation movie like richard linklater stuff i i i dig into it give me an agatha christie adaptation any day but there's also something to just 
celebrating the language of cinema. And that really only comes through with a director that knows what they are doing. So I think that's just like a, a way to really just highlight Rory's ability. And that can be so, uh, that can be so applied to so many different films because there's such a need. So even if, like you said, Dash doesn't become a limited series or something, it doesn't need to, it's finished. It's a finished product. The person that, who created that certainly has a lot more to express. I think that's clear. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's really clear. Yeah. I mean, some short films work better and are designed to be a short film and not to be a feature, um, which is makes total sense because it's showing, you know, it's like a not, well, I don't want to say business card, but it's just showing you visually what people can do and that these people can make a feature. And you just got to get, you know, another script that will be a feature length and they can do it on that budget or even more, you know. So they're stepping stones. They're really important. Short films are so important. If they're done, you know, carefully and properly, you know, with a good script and well thought out and there's a, a message behind them or a point behind them and they mean something, you know, then it's giving, you know, giving more, more people stuff, sorry, giving people stuff, more things to talk about, about that particular topic, you know. So it's really fascinating. And the same with a feature as well, actually. Um, but, you know, shorts extremely important and festivals receive loads of shorts and features, you know, so, yeah. you know, you know, we meet all plenty and you just see them. And it's like, wow, so many shorts that are made. Well, now that conversation is, is even large, is even longer, right? Because is it a feature? Is it a short? Is it a streaming series? Is it a feature for distribution into theaters or is it a straight to streaming? Like there, then, and it's, it's such a large, like, I, I think because it's almost a oversaturated, saturated, an oversaturated market. I went to school. I, I got a literature degree um, on my, on my <laughs> Yeah, no, sometimes you're just like, oh, look, oversaturated. Um, and I, and I, I think that because it's so oversaturated and there's so many places to get films, it feels like there's no place. It's this ironic Thing of having so many places for it to go and then falling back on there's there's no films you know there's a th there's a thing nowadays I, I'm sure you've heard it where it's like you know people used to say theater is dead now people say you know movies are dead and, and even like really big budget movie makers um, who are legends like Martin Scorsese or you know big name actresses like Sandra Bullock have talked about how streaming has and, and and big budget movies like Marvel, you know the Marvel franchise and and all subsequent copycats, they've they've ruined movies. And I just I can't I can't agree because while it definitely is a different market than it used to be because life changes and we as humans want different things and we get our we get our media from different places we got it from different places 10 years ago and we'll probably get it in different places 10 years from now. So I guess I wanted to hear from you, you know, what do you think of the market and how do you think streaming services and what we're seeing in the, the big budget market, the, the actual like blockbuster market, I guess, how has that all affected your work? So first of all, they're kind of, for me, they're two different types of audiences. And that means different expectations and different kinds of engagement and, and goals. So in terms of like with the mainstream films, um, in the problem with them, I suppose, in the way of like award competitions is that they always, you know, they have a lot of money to do big campaigns to get nominated for Oscars and BAFTA, et cetera. So it's, you know, half a little indie feature gem to really break through in that because of the funds available and all that kind of thing. With the short, it's a bit different, but it's still tough. So that really, to me, caused a problem. I mean, it's nice when you see in like a Hollywood feature or like, or like a really, you know, like kind of indie gem that, that breaks out into the, into the mainstream, does really well, is seeing those stars in short films, you know, that are doing other things and like got a new craft. Uh, Will Farrell was in a short, I saw a Holly Shorts called, I don't know, what was it called now? David, I think it was called. And that was great, you know, because they do other stuff that's not, you know, they do stuff that challenges them. It's, it's nice when you see an actor do this, like, you know, a fun little silly role in the film and, you know, it's lightweight and fun and it's, you know, it's enjoyable. And you see them actually do something much more deeper. And it's, you, you see how versatile they are as actors, you know, that they can do more 
than just that stereotypical, you know, same thing every day kind of thing what we normally do for showing up for work. You know, so it's nice seeing the diversity in the range. Um, you see like an actor in a short, it's quite a nice surprise. Um, so yeah, so not really kind of, I mean, they're just for me, they're, they're just two different kind of markets and worlds. Like when I see like reports and stuff come up about the mainstream, it's not my world because it's not film festivals. When it's a crossover film, when it's a festival going to the mainstream, that's what I keep my eye on. I'm thinking, oh, why is that? What's this about? And yeah. do my research in that because that's showing that it's possible. Like you can go from festival to mainstream. You can go from festival to theatrical and get a buzz. And is that it's, just lightning in a bottle? Like how do you, like, how do you just, what makes that transition? What enables those films? A lot of it is, a re, well, it's batch of strategy. It's a okay. careful fan strategy in terms of festival strategy, marketing and PR strategy. Um, and also having the budget do it properly and having people that know how to do it in the right way. So it's the right presentation and not scattergun is crucial, you know, and having a film that has good hooks that can make it sell easily to the media, to audiences. That comes also into marketing is the right poster, you know, having a good poster that's not done on, you know, paint box or Canva, but actually done, you know, professionally, which can actually help sell. Now, sometimes you'll see like a poster that's great. And sometimes the film isn't maybe as great as a poster, but it just shows you that if it can sell, it'll make money. Yeah, we, that reminds me of, um, there's a YouTube channel I quite love called Red Letter Media. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but they do, they do reviews on modern movies, but one of their niches is they have a best of the worst series where they look at VHSs from years and years ago that are most of the time laughably terrible. I think they go into it with not a, it's not that they have a mean streak and they're making fun of these people who worked really hard on films. I think it's more of a, how did this get made kind of question and What's interesting, what reminded me, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but uh, we're professionals here. <laughs> you, the, sometimes the cover for those VHSs will have, if for example, if it's a science fiction horror, it, it will have creatures that don't even feature in the movie. They're, they'll they'll have yeah. something, some promise of a film that has nothing to do with what's actually in that yeah. little black tape. It's kind of like just a small part of it or not even part of the story um, oh. and that actors can be on a, on a, on the on the like you know some big names you're like oh they're not in it for like five or ten minutes kind of oh thing. yeah so it's selling it it's just you know it's a big it's, it's how it how it works but yeah but it's all back down to strategy and having a good product maybe not one that doesn't have to be exceptional but just a product that is good and has yeah. a market and can sell is a key thing well I'm, I'm not to put you on the spot i'm sure i've done it several times already because i'm so good at this what kind of short films do you like? I know that that's such a broad spectrum. There's so many voices out there. It's whenever somebody's, you know, talks to me about what kinds of movies, I think we, I think the reason it's hard to answer that for some people is because we start to go into genre or we have, oh, do we have to pick a genre? Oh, I like horror. I like drama. You know, I, I think that's a little difficult, but I think there are certain qualities to a film what are those qualities for you when you think about the short films that impress you? So for me, it's all about originality. I'm going to say that again, originality. <laughs> um, We're and both how, battling. We're both doing our best, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a Dallas thing. And, and how bold and how much of a risk that filmmaker takes. So Dash is a great example. I love Dash because it's just so unique. The way it approaches this man's... Um, you know, heartbreaking tragedy that happens is generally his mental state and what he can and can't do. It's it's not full of cliches. It's brand new, fresh and innovative. That's what I like to see. And that's what I love to work on and represent because they're just stuff that's taking a risk, doing something differently or doing something that we, we, we're familiar with, yeah. but they're doing it in a way which is just really taking a risk and they're not afraid to take that risk in the filmmaking. They're not going to hold back with vanilla. They're going to just do it what they see fit and it's focused. It's really interesting. Um, so that's what I tend to look for in shorts and features, but generally when it comes to festival films, they want to see that kind of thing. You know, like I'm working on a film right now, which has a fantastic twist. Um, it's on the circuit. It's called The Wake. Um, it's a Canadian co-pro um, with, um, with Puerto Rico and the director is incredible. 
and you just do not see the twist coming. It's how it's put together, the acting, you know, and it's very massively done. It's like almost like a mini Hitchcock, but obviously in a short music to my ears. So, yeah, so really interesting stuff like that. And documentaries, too, where you can't guess the ending and it's about a subject that not people know about is interesting, too. I have a documentary which I'm working on right now, which is just finished in post, um, called Into the Spotlight. And uh, that's shot in Dallas. And it's about an, a group of disabled filmmakers, sorry, a group of disabled individuals putting on a musical. And it's absolutely fantastic. And that's different because they actually talk for themselves and no one's right. talking for them. So that's very interesting and unique. And it's good to see that they don't play up to the camera. They are themselves. And you actually get to guess the point where those of them who have visible disabilities, like Down syndrome and autism, it actually becomes, they, they just disappear through the film because they're just being themselves, you know, it's just who they are. And that's interesting, you know, so that's very unique too. So stuff like that I love. Um, you know, so it's, it's brilliant having those kind of films. You know, well, sometimes, films, sometimes films that aren't, say, the most maybe groundbreaking still have, still show talent because they're doing something yeah. different. It's like a good visionary filmmaker. Well, that's what it is for me in a way too, is the unfiltered quality. Because ultimately a short film, I guess not all, I don't want to generalize here, but it seems like there are less people telling you what needs to be in your movie. You know, yeah. it seems like short short filmmakers have a greater freedom. I think that's just true because you you see down the line how, I mean, going back into a completely different market, again, because I'm so good at this, you know, the Snyder Cut is a good, is an example of one of the biggest, most crazy internet craze examples, of course, of a film product that was made it for a theatrical cut that is vastly different than how it was imagined to be by the creator due to conversations with producers. I think that, you know, I, I, we love producers. We need producers. It's the only way to get things made and seen and distributed, but sometimes there's, it seems to be that there's a bit of discourse like the Max Landis talks about how there's, you know, his film, I think it's called Igor and Frankenstein with uh, mm -hmm. Daniel Radcliffe. It was, he envisioned it as something very different than what it ended up being. There's so many channels that a feature length filmmaker has to go through that, you know, by the end of it, you're like, oh, does this really taste like the coffee that I had ground up, you know? So I, I guess I'm saying if people see films that aren't how the director envisioned them and that's what they want, we should be supporting short filmmakers even more because they have that freedom. And we will more drastically see these risk-taking films that producers at a high level are less likely to take because there's no connected IP, there's no cinematic universe, there's no plan for a sequel, there's no you know, easily capitalized market for it. That's why Q2Q exists because there are a lot of films that don't have a mainstream audience now. There are a lot of things you wouldn't see in a mainstream audience. And so that's the beauty of short film and film festivals is they're yes. kind of a dynamic duo, you know? Exactly, no, they are, they are. It is a dynamic duo and they can create a lot of opportunity. There's every, every film festival has opportunity no matter how big or small it is, you know, it's the right place, right time, speak, connect, you'll be fine. And what are some of your favorite film festivals? I guess it's, a, you've, you've worked with so many, um, can you give us, like one or two experiences you've had where you just you went to them or you distributed to them and you got you were like oh this is this is great for this and this reason yeah i mean besides the q of course well <laughs> that. that's obvious um <laughs> i mean all the film festivals i go to i've had really good times at and it was interesting but the one which just stands out as probably probably is my favorite um is, I mean, obviously, besides the Avatar Horror Festival, where I began my career and opened up the doors for yeah. that's obviously in itself that is phenomenal. That festival that that has that festival has films and music and live piano music. It has, um, you know, like had downed one year, it has poetry, you know, it has it's amazing. So, that in itself is phenomenal. But there's one, it's called the Sedona Film Festival in Arizona. Now, I don't actually like the place that much, Sedona. I love Arizona, most parts, but 
people like to say, oh, it's so magical, but for me, it doesn't quite click. Uh, it's, it's hard to get in and out of Sedona. It's just one road in, one road out. It's tons of traffic for like, you know, 50 minutes or more. It's a bit crazy, you know, in, this, in the touristy time. It's a bit weird, but I mean, obviously it's pretty, but it's just as a weird, sure. for me, it doesn't quite, quite click. But um, the festival is incredible because Patrick, who has run it for a very long time, he is just this amazing energy. Everyone loves him and everyone like supports him and the whole of Sedona support this festival. And all the films there are really good. It's like a long running festival, it's like a good 10 days or more. And everyone supports it, it's in a beautiful venue. But the networking is golden because everyone comes together like a family in a different way to other festivals actually yeah. experience. When you're in the same place, everyone opens up and can talk. It might be the energy, the good part of Sedona, but the good parts of its energy. You know, living there, I couldn't live there, but for a festival yeah. it's great and it just opens up so many things like a client i've got my clients um latest short film actually a short that i did um help produce with them called um suppression screening there this year in next, well, it's not next month and when they first went there with a feature that I represent that I represented with them called lucid um they loved it because billy zane is in the film and he got an award for um oh my god love yeah. billy zane but he's in it. He's great. And he got like a Light on Tune award. He had a really good time. But Adam, the director, was like, oh, my God, this place has changed me. I'm now like eating healthier and drinking healthier. And I've seen like I've gone through a vortex. I mean, it went well for him. I couldn't find that vortex myself. But then it does change filmmakers a lot. But it does a lot of great networking. And I met several clients there that I work with. And their films have done really well since meeting them. So that was, yeah, it's magical. Just not a magical place to live for me, but a magical festival without a doubt. Well, I would love to, you know, have Q2Q facilitate if there's uh do you know when the next one is coming out? Sedona, yes. Yeah. So the next one is, I think, yeah, it runs mid to end of February um, next month. Oh, that's a little bit of a quick turnaround. I was going to say we should do a Q2Q like caravan trip there to, to go yeah. celebrate. Well, uh, yeah, Patrick's great. So it's, yeah, it's great yeah, well, that's that's wonderful. I I just want to say thank you so much for all of the work that you do as a you know aspiring filmmaker myself. It's it's important that we get support from smart, sweet people that are open-minded, open-hearted like you that that see opportunity. I think that's that's a gift that you have is that you can um, allow others who maybe can't see it for themselves to see it. And also it's not just about, you know, shorthanded. Yeah. Yeah. You can be successful. You know, you just got to work hard or these flippant things. You actually get down to brass text and, you know, well, these are the things, this is the way, like help me, yeah. um, make you more successful. You know, it's that give and take. So yeah. Thank you so much for the the work that you do. And I'm definitely going to have you back on for a part two where right. we're really excited because Q2Q just started. Um, we're in conversations with real live connections so we can have a, an actual in studio space to record these podcasts and have beautiful, beautiful microphones and backgrounds and we can have live feed from, you know, another thing here and maybe show films in the background while we're talking. So lots of new opportunities. And obviously, Rebecca, you'll be a part of that. But you mentioned that you produce films. And in, in addition to, um, you know, working on them for film festival purposes. So is there anything coming out that we can look out for? I know you mentioned the film that's in circuit. Um, but in addition to that, you know, are there is there any are there any upcoming projects that you can't wait to start working on or dreams that you have of films that you want to make in the future? So I, I don't do much on the side of producing. I mean, I do it like once in a blue moon. I, so my, my time has to be spent with Tesla Dr. Yeah. Grover and my clients there. But this one I did because um, the filmmaker I worked with previously on Lucid and he's blind director and he was this film was written by him but not a not him but he also he signed in it but he's not playing a blind man so it was really interesting and I wanted to support it so that's on the circuit right now called Suppression so that'll be at Sedona and it goes into another festival for that in the UK it's on the screen and it also will be on the festival circuit until about probably October so that's cool it's, it's done recently it did Holly Shorts in August as well um so yes yeah, so that's cool um, but in terms of the next project there is people have offered me a few things to like produce or come on board to co-produce um, 
And I'm tempted by this one project called The Spark, because that's we work with the director um, to help develop the script with festivals. And now I'm thinking, yeah, I could like to see this be made because it's simple yet effective kind of film and it could work. Um, so it's something on the back burner, but I think it might start coming to fruition maybe later in the year when we get the funds together. And it's not going to be a huge amount to make. It just needs to be the right cast. Drama. Well, as you mentioned before, the getting the, the acting right is yes. one, one thing that can yes. uh, put your film over the others and when film festival people come looking for the right one. So. Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. And so now, you know, we need to kind of wrap up here. I know you've got a lot to do today, uh, but I want to let people know how they can find you, what they can do to support your films, how they can work with you if they want to, um, and if you have any other, like, resources you want to plug or, or films you want to plug. Yeah. So um, you can connect with me on Instagram, which is Rebecca Film Doctor. So that's R-E-B-E-K-A-H-F-I-L-M-D-R. And there's a website, which is thefilmfestivaldoctor.com. And by all means as well, um, obviously I'll be at festivals. I live in Dallas. So do come and see me at the Dallas Film Festival, which starts in April. Um, which will be great. I'm also traveling around festivals too in a few months' time, so we'll mean to see me there. Um, but yeah, connect with me on Instagram and I'll definitely connect further with you. And in terms of other projects, we've got, obviously I mentioned there's this wonderful feature that we're working on that's a Dallas production to the spotlight. That'll be starting the touring the circuit in a few months. And if you follow my Instagram, you'll hear all about it there. And another film, which uh, is my little gem, is Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story, that's a feature. That's um, going to be screening next month at the Toronto Black Film Festival. And also it's, going, it's got nominated for some NCAAP awards. I mean, that's what the right thing is, the Image Awards. Um, yeah. So they're coming up as well next month. So that's exciting too. Wow, you're you're on the edge of so many awesome things. It's like, yeah. I feel like you, you're one of the people I've talked to that you've got a handle on 2023, baby. It's in your pocket. <laughs> like, honey, you're doing just fine. Um, well, thank you so much for being on today. It's a pleasure to talk. I could talk your ear off forever, but um, in the spirit of respect, I will let you go take care of your clients now. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, everybody listening, make sure you go support Dash. Go, uh, you know, as a, a totally unbiased opinion, go vote for it. Uh, and then um, <laughs> and then uh, make sure that you're following Q2Q on Instagram, queer underscore two underscore queer. We're excited to embrace our second season of podcasts um, on the eve of our um, film festival ending. But again, you've got some time this weekend. Please go to queer to queer watch all of the films, reach out to the people whose films you really like and learn about how you can watch and support their stuff throughout the years to come because we hope that this isn't the last festival that you see these directors and writers and actors working in. We want it to be a continuum. So help it help support the continuum of film festivals and the medium of short film. And once again, keep it queer, keep it here and your vision Always keep it in steer. Love it.